Welcome to the Health and Wealth Power Hour, the podcast provides you with the knowledge and insights you need to achieve physical, mental, and financial well-being. I'm your host, Arlen Pickett, a business consultant who's passionate about helping people achieve a more balanced and healthier life. Each week, we'll deep dive into topics related to health and wealth, including retirement income planning, innovative healthcare solutions, alternative funded health plans, and specific actions individuals and business owners can take to gain control of their finances, have access to affordable quality health care, and achieve peace of mind. We'll also be joined by innovative experts who will share their knowledge and insights on prevalent topics. So, whether you're looking to grow your wealth or improve your health, you've come to the right place. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and empowered. Let's get started. All right, and welcome again to another exciting episode of the Health and Wealth Power Hour. I am your host, Harlan Pickett. I really appreciate you taking time to listen to today's episode because we're going to learn you something. We're going to learn you something about edumacation. I bet you (laughs) lots of you folks out there are edumacated. Well, today we're actually going to talk about real things like education, but we're not just going to do that. We're going to go beyond education. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. You hear her laughing in the background. That is our special guest, Laura Kilgore. She is the founder and owner of Beyond Education. You like how I slipped that in there for you there, Laura? Perfect. (laughs) All right. Hey, I'll I'll tell you, when we first met Laura, uh, it was as a potential client, but very quickly, we got to look onto her website. We got to talk to her about what she does. And you guys are going to love this today. I promise you are going to love what she does. Uh, I hope that if it strikes a chord with you, you will reach out to her and learn more. But it is it is so timely because our education system itself is under siege. Our students are under siege. As parents, we feel under siege because we have, it seems, less and less input on what our kids have access to in the education system, yet we are being held more and more responsible for that. It it is not a dynamic I think anyone is comfortable with. We feel that our children more and more need a higher education, but I personally feel that our schools are in many cases leaving them behind and doing nothing more than teaching them how to take a test. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't give them the real world experience they need to even attend college, much less learn anything at college, but even the basic skills to live on their own, which is just crazy uh, that, that they don't learn some of those things and have access to that. But we have Laura with us today to help us navigate that, uh, Laura, tell me a little bit, first of all, about you and why you started this journey. Because you did tell me it started a whole lot earlier than I thought it really did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Harlan, thanks so much for having me on. And I'm excited to uh, go beyond just the kind of normal information of what we know about education. And like we were chatting, everybody goes through schooling in some way, whether it's public, private, charter, homeschool. 
Um, we all need to learn and, and grow our brain. And so um, there's many ways to get there. And that's what I've learned. And, and so what I was sharing with you is I'm a public school kid. I went public school K through 12. I think my mom said for a snippet there in pre-K, I was maybe in a Montessori program, but all I remember is is napping in that. In that. <laughs> Otherwise, public school kid uh, was raised in Arizona, born in Texas. And then as I like to tell people, the motherland called me home and I came back to Texas to go to university here. That was my first uh, dipping of my toes in private education. I went to a private small liberal arts university here, Trinity, which I loved. I had a great experience. It was growing and expanding and uh, resilience training in a lot of ways. Um, but <laughs> but ultimately, I had a, a fantastic experience. And so I really fell into this role of owning and um being in education and also being an entrepreneur. Uh, when I was in high school, I thought I was going to be in healthcare, actually. I thought I was going to be a physician. I loved science. I loved math. And so when I went to Trinity, I was on a healthcare track. I took all the classes and uh, muscled my, three, my way through organic chemistry and biochemistry and all of those classes. And um, I had some life events happen while I was in college. I, I lost a family member and that really through a wrench in my plan, um, as anybody who has gone through a traumatic event, the grief cycle takes its time. And so um, I had started tutoring while I was in college and I even started tutoring while I was in high school. But in college, I had started tutoring for money. I had a friend of a friend who approached me and had this little side hustle um, of tutoring some local neighborhood kids and said, hey, I've got too many. Would you want to take some on? I'm like, yeah, sure. Easy, flexible. I can work this into my studies. You know, I like teenagers and kids. And, and so started doing that. And as um, college went on and I graduated and I'm sitting there trying to figure out, you know, am I going to go to med school and am I not going to go to med school and do I take the MCAT or do I not? I just kept tutoring because I, I knew how to do it and it was easy and it naturally grew. And eventually, a couple years out of college, my friend who, you know, this was just a little side hustle came to me and he had a full time job, by the way, that he was doing. He came to me and said, hey, so pretty much this is not a side hustle anymore. And we actually need somebody to run this business. You know, I trust you. Would you want to do it? And I said, sure. I have no idea how to run a business. I said, but I'm organized <laughs> and I like people and I like managing people. I had already kind of started hiring and helping manage people. I said, none of this scares me. Sure. Why not? Let me figure this out. And, you know, I, I'm not really sure yet if I'm going to, to med school yet. So let's just do it. And lo and behold, years later and, and figuring out um, what a pivotal moment was for me was, was sitting down with a counselor and defining what success was. And that shifted everything for me and um, basically realized that success before was having an MD behind my name and realizing that I, that didn't have to be my definition of success anymore. And so once I let that go and was like, I actually love being an entrepreneur I love managing people. I love working with families and kids in this type of environment. Um, then everything kind of blossomed. Um, so I stayed with that company a little bit longer and then left and uh, and started my own business, started Beyond Education in 2018 and knew this is where I wanted to be. I loved being outside of the classroom and being able to work with families one-on-one. -on -one. And, uh, and so that's where Beyond Education was grown out of. So 
That's wow. the origin story. <laughs> yeah, that that is that's awesome. A uh, little little side hustle that turned into a career. Yes, absolutely. And, and it, you know, it's just so interesting for anybody who deals with imposter syndrome. I mean, I had, I, I kid you not when I say I have not taken a single course in education. I should have taken a psychology class, never did, never did any of that. And Trinity has an incredible teaching program, never touched it, um, never took a business class. The only class I took was microeconomics and I hated it because it's theory and not practical. <laughs> Um, and yet I run an education business and I've learned along the way what I needed to know, you know, to be proficient and an expert in this and, and talk with experts in a variety of fields that support families and whatnot. So, um, I had my, my imposter syndrome for a little bit and then I just got over it and was like, I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to be really good at asking questions and researching. And it's been great and incredibly fun. And, um, and now I can speak the lingo like any of yeah. them. So. And, and and it's in, interesting what you can learn through the school hard knocks, right? It's interesting what you can learn instead of learning it, living it. Mm -hmm. And by living it, you learned it, but you learned it in a more realistic way. It wasn't theory anymore. It was right. reality. Right. And by dealing with these students, regardless of what their age level or their, you know, their acuity, whatever you want to look at it, whatever that level was, you learned literally what education was like for them across yeah. the, across the spectrum, whether the kid was trying to master a STEM program or just trying to get through remedial math, mm -hmm. whatever it was and everything in between. And it, it you talking about organic chemistry. Um, that's my daughter's taking that right now. So, Oh, baby. <laughs> bio yeah biochem is her major that's what she's she's going oh, after. i love it i can so, nerd out on all day <laughs> yeah so she's uh she's right across uh, the highway from where you went to school she's going to incarnate word Incarnate Word. Yeah. yeah 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 so she's she's right there close to where you went to school as well and and loving her experience so far she's just in her second year but she's uh she's really enjoying it well, it is really unique. So where we are positioned in the ecosystem of education, right? So you have schools, which now we've got a variety of definition of schools. You've got public schools, charter schools, private schools, uh, parochial schools, home schools. You've got all of those, which we deal with all of those in a different capacity. Um, and then you've got us, which is a tutoring and we call ourselves a mentor, a mentoring program, right? So we sit right on the outside of the school in helping the families. And, and what's really unique about it and why, why I love it is we get a much closer, more personal experience with not just the student, but the family. So whenever I hire somebody to come and work with us as an instructor or a tutor or a mentor, I always tell them, I'm like, we get this incredible opportunity to not just know the student, but to get the family context and to see, you know, where is this, if they're stressed, where's the stress coming from, right? Are there some expectations or is there some miscommunication? Um, it, where is that source? Um, and we've seen it all, right? We've seen everything from this, the hyper supportive parent who's like, we don't care what grade they get. We just want them to be happy to the 
tiger parent or what's known as a helicopter parent saying like, if they're, you know, they have a 95, we need them to get a 99. Um, and literally everything in between. Um, but why I love it is just, it's a much more personal experience. You get to know the student and then you get to see what we, what teachers sometimes oftentimes don't get to see because they're managing a classroom of 30, you know, 25 to 30, depending on where you're going, as opposed to just focused on one, you get to see what are their learning styles? Are they kinesthetic? Do Are they visual learners? Are they auditory learners? You know, what are the things that stress them? And, and I've literally sat down with, with students and been like, okay, you know, you've got to organize your paper more because I can see your brain struggling with this concept. You're not, you're not in, incapable um, to learn this. It's really that we got to get your brain organized, right? Those little things that you may not catch in the classroom because we're trying to get so much content in, in a classroom day. Um, so it's, it's a really beautiful, amazing experience that we get to have with families. And that's why a lot of the families we work with are with us for years. You know, I've got a lot of my students who early on, I started with them in sixth grade and they're now 25 years old and we're still checking in because we have this really um, tight bond um, of just walking through that with them. So I want to go back to what you talked about a minute ago about the, the teacher in the classroom has got you know, 20, 25, 30 kids. They don't get to individualize. How many kids, and I'm not talking about your kids because they get a chance, but how many kids do you believe fail to get the education that they should get because they get lost in the numbers? A, a large majority of them, and even more so now. Right. I mean, we I think you mentioned at the beginning um, the focus on numbers, the focus on being prepared for a test. And to be totally honest with you, it's really hard to point fingers in that situation, kind of like right. it's really hard to point a finger in the healthcare system of why in the world, you know, our premiums keep going up. There's lots of inputs, you know, in, in education, there's lots of inputs. The teachers will tell you it's administration and it's the, you know, in Texas, Texas Education Agency, whatever the state, you know, governing body is, um, who are telling them you have to do all these things and it's impossible to be able to hit all those markers. Um, for the parents, they'll tell you it's the teachers. For the students, they'll tell you it's everybody. Uh, you know, it's, it's a variety of inputs. Um, but what is... I think really scary for someone in our position where I've, so I've been in this field for 15 years, right? And seeing the trajectory of not only the content quality, the critical thinking skills, the analytical skills, and, and we have lots of people who are reporting on this from a national and a global scale of there is cause of concern, um, cause for concern about the trajectory of our education at large. Um, not everybody has access to one-on-one -on -one tutoring. There's a lot of nonprofits as well as for-profits like ourselves who exist, who are there to help. Um, but there's a lot of students who are not getting the support they need. And um, it's it's concerning from an employment funnel base. Um, I've sat in on a lot of meetings on a city level of just talking about, you know, what are we doing to make sure that we have people who are ready to go for our labor force in 5, 10, 15 years. Um, and that gets really interesting when you start thinking about it then and not like my kid needs to pass my algebra one class, not is there, are they going to be ready to file their taxes when they're 24 years old? Are they going to even know how to do that? Right now it's that's a very different conversation. And that's one of the things 
I try and keep in mind as we look at the families of like, and that's why we take a more holistic approach and not just like, a, how do we make sure that you pass this class? It's how are we setting you up so that you have skills that you need to achieve what you need to achieve in the variety of classes you're going to be taking for the next however many years of your education and then to go beyond um, into a career, right? Because graduating high school is not the end game. Graduating college is not the end game. It's all a means to an end to be a happy, healthy, successful, and however you define success, adult. So yeah, I, I long, think that's... long-winded, if you can't tell, very long-winded answers. <laughs> no, no, but but that's that's a that's a very valid point. And I want to I, I want to go to back what you just said a, a second ago though too, as far as if they can't do their taxes when they're 24, does it matter if they don't have the skills to have a job where they don't make more than $10,000 because they don't have to worry about filing taxes then, right? Uh, it's, I, I know that that sounds crazy, but I literally know people in that situation. They, yeah. they were never successful enough. They never had the opportunities. Let me change that. They had the opportunities, yeah. but through whatever family dynamics are, getting left behind at school because of whatever reason. Let, let's be honest. A lot of times kids act out in school because they're bored, because they don't get it, because they don't want to be made fun of. Uh, mm -hmm. For whatever reasons, they're not being, their needs are not being addressed through a mm -hmm. traditional school system or through some kind of disconnect with a teacher. My, mm -hmm. my daughter, who is an extremely intelligent woman, yeah. had... A, a number of different classes through her school career where her and the teacher, this is a Texas term, folks. If y'all don't get it, I promise you, Laura will. Her and her Texas just didn't G-Hall. Her and her teacher didn't G-Hall at all. And so she could not, she couldn't get it. She she was not getting anything from that class. There was no chance she would pass that class unless mm -hmm. we got a tutor, unless we got someone. She yeah. didn't really need the tutoring per se. She got the she knew Contact. the stuff. She knew it. Yeah. But with the yeah. way that teacher taught, there was no way she was ever going to get it. Right. Right. I mean, to your first point, I think as somebody who wants our country to be successful, right? I mean, we've we've got to have more people than not who are making more than $10,000. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> if, Absolutely. If we go on the flip side of that, we're not going to be in a good spot. So I don't want no, that. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> from a global perspective. Right. Um, and then, you know, just going back to your daughter, I mean, yeah, there, there are more stories than I can count on one hand. Obviously I'm a biased perspective because I run a tutoring company. So people are calling us because they need help more often than not. Um, but I think just talking with parents who even don't work with us, um, it, it does, it happens more often than not. And the hope is that those people find their resources again, whether it's a for-profit or a non-profit or a friend or even another teacher who can say, hey, I see the potential in you, you know, come and do some tutoring with me. However, the reality of that is kind of going back to what we were talking about in the school system. I mean, teachers, you talk to any teacher today, they are worn down and worn yeah. out. And in Absolutely. fact... There's more studies now. There's this, a study out of, I believe, a um, out of UTSA, but don't quote me on that, um, who is uh, finding that teachers are bailing out before they even get through student teaching. 
right? So again, like we get back to funnel and employment funnels. I mean, I'm genuinely concerned about what our teacher quality is going to look like yeah. in the next five, 10, 15 years, so, which is only going to exacerbate the problems that we're starting to see in, exactly. in, uh, you know, in the post-COVID world. So it's, it's an interesting field to be in for sure. Um, there is a, a lot of hope and I get a lot of, you know, I get very excited. I get to walk with students through the college application process. And there's a lot of excitement about that and getting a, being able to see kids like get into schools that they never thought they could. And, you know, finding majors that they love and fit with what um, their passions and interests are on the flip side of that. There's also a lot of things that I have serious concerns about. Um, and so I guess for me, being in the position that I am of running this education business, it feels like, okay, this is my, this is my, um, my best way that I can contribute to a positive end, right? To say, okay, I see the problem, but I'm not going to sit on my hands and not do anything, or I'm not going to be the naysayer who's just complaining. Like I'm going to get in the game and do the best I can with the people that we get to work with and help these kids and these families along their way and, and hope and pray that that's going to, you know, continue to help move the train forward well and it's going to you know i'll i'll just tell you right now it's going to because there's no way it can move it backwards right right Let, let's be honest there's there's no way the help that y'all are giving to the individuals y'all have an opportunity to give the help to is going to do right. anything but something positive so that's that's the wonderful thing i mean i see the same thing in the difficult world of healthcare that we deal with we see some of the same deals well how big of an impact are we making if I just helped one person, that's one person that yeah. was not going to have a, have a, they, they had a different outcome than they were going to have then. Right. So right. there is some accomplishment there, even though we may not get to make the worldwide impact or the nationwide impact that today, that doesn't say, right. you know, it won't ever. Okay. Right. Uh, but you, you've got to build on something. So yep. let's talk about, you, you've, you mentioned a couple of different times, the definition of success. <laughs> The definition yeah. of success. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. Yeah. And it, it really is because I believe all of us are so caught up in some definition of success that may not even be realistic for us because it would have it's been placed there by somebody else or it's been placed there by society or whatever. Mm -hmm. Success man, it is such a difficult thing to wade through, right? Yeah. Because we're taught success is this X, Y, Z in this, yep. in this world, if you don't have a, yeah. Okay. Yep. You're, you want to be this fill in the blank, whatever you want to be this, right. then that means you must get your high school diploma. You must get not just a bachelor's degree, but preferably a master's degree. And if you really want to be successful, then you're going to get that PhD. Yep. Right. Oh, I know. I can I can speak directly to that. <laughs> yes. Right. But but here's the problem. You ain't even got a job yet. And all that other stuff was required, but you ain't even got the job yet. So what the heck? How are you successful now? Well, I successfully navigated college and got all these things. Well, that's great. All those sheepskins will look great on the home office that you have while you're running your what business. Right. I mean, it's right. Right. It, it, it is difficult for us to navigate through that. And I'm the, the folks that I see today that are the most successful 
are folks like you that threw that away and said, I'm going to define my own success. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that, but more in the context of how you bring that reality to the families and the students yeah. that you deal with. Yeah. So fun fact, uh, our number one core value, uh, we have three of them, but number one is your child is born to be successful. I, I genuinely believe that Beautiful. In, in the wholeness of my heart. I believe every person is born to be successful. Um, now success can be defined, like you said, in a variety of ways. Right. And we deal with a lot of situations where there's an incongruence between how the parent defines success and how the child defines success and how the teacher defines success. And so we've got to wade through what is the appropriate definition here, right? What's appropriate for the age of the student, what they're capable of, um, what their goals are, what their interests are, right? Um, and and figuring that out with the student and then with the parent and then bringing that to the school. I would say the the best situations that we've seen is when the parent and the student is are aligned in yeah. what success is. Um, the best situations, you know, I've worked with families where, like I mentioned before, we go in and they say, hey, we don't care about grades. Like we're confident it's going to work out. Our child is going to find their way. We want them to be happy. That is our definition of success. We want them to be happy. We want them to love life. We want them to have a passion and a zeal about the future, you know, and um, and not get caught up on an income number or whatnot. Like we believe that that'll come if they are happy and they feel like they've got a, an excitement for the future. Those types of situations are awesome to walk into because you can feel it. I mean, you can feel it in the household. You can feel it when yeah. the student comes home and they're stressed and they, you know, what's wild to me is you can have a parent and you might've experienced this with your daughter. You might have a parent who's saying that every day, right? Like, I just want you to be happy. I don't care what the grades are. I just want you to be happy. But there's so much outside chatter of you need to be an A student. You need to have, you know, X number of followers on TikTok. You need to like whatever those <laughs> external inputs are is going through the kid's head. Right. And we know a child doesn't have a fully, fully formed frontal cortex until 25 years old, 21, 25 years old. So their brain can't even process all that information. So even though you're telling them as their parent who is, you know, numero uno in terms of trust level and reliability for most kids, even though you're telling them, I don't need you to have all these things, they're trying to compute all of this at once. And so walking into a situation like that, knowing that the parents got your back and saying, okay, I know you have this test coming up at the end of the week. Let's play to your strengths and let's figure out how you learn best and let's do our best. And, you know, the chips will lie where they lie and we will get our way through it because this is a journey and this one test is not going to be the definition of who you are, right? And and even if, however it goes, we're going to take our next step to the next thing and we're going to keep moving forward um, and figure this out. And this is just another input. So I would say in terms of what I see in success in education, like that is a great place to be. Now, there's not, and I think it's good and healthy for for every individual, not just kids, but for adults as well, like the bar needs to be high enough to where they're reaching for something. Sure. Uh, yes. You know, if, 
if I came back and said, like, I want to run a company, but I just want two clients, like, that's, that's success for me. <laughs> like, I would be bored out of my mind. I would have reached that in month one. And I would have been like, what, twiddling my thumbs over here. Right. Whereas I, I am yeah. a growth mindset person where I'm like, every year I want to get a little bigger. Like I need to have a little a challenge, right? I need to have whatever that is, whether that is bigger in terms of number of clients, whether that's bigger in terms of more flexibility so that I can have more time with my family. Like I'm going to define that, but I need to expand in some way um, every year. And um, yeah, that was a huge, so, so coming out of Trinity, I mean, I came before I even got to Trinity I already had an achiever mindset, a performer, you can call it achiever or performer mindset. I've heard it called both ways, um, where because of circumstances of our household, which had nothing to do with my family, right? My, my parents were big on, we just want you to be happy. And they also realized they gave birth to a, a daughter who was going to set way bigger goals than they could ever set. So they basically got out of the way and said, go for it. Like, we're not going to get in your way. But I personally was a performer and achiever. So my value came from getting A's. My value came from getting Letterman jackets and being on varsity and being in every club and whatnot. And I got to Trinity and I couldn't, I mean, I was with peers who were way ahead of me in terms of how they achieved and how they could perform and whatnot. And like, I really struggled. I mean, I went through an identity a crisis for sure my freshman year and figuring out, well, what do I do if I can't perform? What do I do if I can't be the top of my class, you know, and how do I push myself and and where do I go from here? And then to go through, well, what do I do if I'm not going, if I'm not going to be a doctor, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's the top tier. Yeah. That's what society has been telling me is top yeah. tier achievement. Um, and, and having to be in that really uncomfortable place of saying, what do I do? And thankfully having somebody who could guide me through that conversation with a lot of compassion and speak a lot of truth into my life um, to say, your worth is not based on how many letters you have after your name. You know, going to a school where, I'll tell you, most of my friends have an MD or a PhD. And, and I have many Many times I have to do a gut check, even now at 36 years old, of being like, my value is not worth, is not, is not based on whether I have an MD, PhD, MS, MA, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that's a really important skill, getting back to the family. I think it's a really important skill to start teaching our kids, whether you're a parent, an aunt, a friend, a mentor, an advisor, a teacher, to start teaching them of let's define success and it doesn't have to just be a number or a letter or um, a quantitative measure. Like let's start thinking about what that is. You know, we have a lot of talk in our society right now about meditation and self-actualization. And um, I think that needs to be a part of the conversation is start thinking about what do, how do I define success? What's really important to me? Um, and then that's going to help you figure out how do you get there and, and, uh, and decide what really, you know, I think the, the gold will rise to the top, right. Of what really is important. Is it really the money or is it really, you just want flexibility and you want to be able to spend time with your family or, or maybe it is, you need to take nice trips. I don't know, whatever that might be for you. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. You, you talk about that and 
a kid's mindset on some of these things. So when my daughter was either a freshman or sophomore in high school, they really uh, counseling. I mean, they had, we had this big meeting, they STEM, STEM, STEM. She's, you know, we, she probably even needs to go over to the early college school. Yeah. That is not, that is a hundred percent not what she wanted to do. She did not want to go to the away from there. She wanted to be able to participate and say, cause they had nothing right. The early college yeah. school had none of the things you couldn't, she was a, um, color guard yeah so she was in band she's in color guard they didn't have that they didn't have anything really i mean she, that's it yeah. you're just doing school stuff right so she didn't want to do that she didn't want to leave her friends she didn't want to go with anything but on top of that she did not want to do stem now remember what mm -hmm. i told you she does right biochemistry yeah. okay she's really good in science she's really good in math but she don't want to do stem it took us a little while to finally get her to to, to get not get her to understand for her to get us to understand that she did not want to be, say, pigeonholed into that. If I change my mind about what I want to do, I want to be able to change my mind. But I feel like if I would have committed to do that, I would be locked into that forever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's to me, that's not the case. That wouldn't have been the right. case. That's the way she felt. Right. That's not the way I felt. So I had a hard time understanding. Right. Yeah. It, right. Yeah. Because it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. And still. I think it's kind of funny that she didn't want to be trapped into something that she decided she wanted to do anyway. But that's neither here nor there. That's a that's a strange kind of parent look at it, saying that this is such a a weird deal. But how difficult is tutoring, mm -hmm. mentoring, mm -hmm. when the family isn't as involved? Mm. Yeah. Um, so I would say we what that looks like for us, right? So we're we're a for-profit company. So, so somebody comes to us and a parent knows or, or the guardian or whoever knows that they're going to be paying for our service, right? So- That doesn't again, mean they're involved though, right? I it, mean, they're paying it for it, but it, it doesn't it, mean it, that they're engaged in any way, shape or form. Right. They're in, I would say in the type of scenario that we're talking about, that extreme where they're not involved, they're involved in the outcome because they want to see a certain outcome typically, um, but when they're not engaged, it does make it very difficult. And I will say it shows itself as I'm sure some of us would expect in a variety of ways, right? So I I've worked personally with students where the parents just wanted to write the check or run the credit card and they wanted to be able to live their life and not really be a parent. And they were bringing you in to be the person who was going to do that. And um, other than being uncomfortable at first <laughs> of realizing like, <laughs> wait, I'm, I, I'm doing your job. Wait, what? <laughs> um, it makes it difficult in terms of an accountability. I mean, that's probably yeah. one of the biggest things that we deal with is when, and, and this can be parents who aren't even on, you know, who are living in the same household, but may not be on the same page of how do we enforce consequences or whatnot, right? That's a very common thing that we deal with is what do we do for accountability, um, it makes it very difficult and you have to ideally get to the point where you're connected with that student. You've built a strong enough rapport. And this is why we focus so much on the relationship connection is that you've built enough rapport and enough trust with the student that there's an intrinsic motivator where they're now to the point of like, I'm not just trying to perform for mom or dad because albeit whatever that relationship dynamic might be in this kind of worst case scenario, 
maybe little to nothing. Um, I want to do this because I want to do this, right? And maybe there is a performance now for this mentor who's come in and, you know, maybe they want to be like, wow, Lara believes in me. Like, yeah, I want to, I want to do well. But ultimately where we want that to be is to say, me as the student, like I want to do well because I'm realizing there's a much bigger picture to this whole story than just this class or just this test or whatnot. Um, from a business standpoint, it makes it difficult. It's it's not impossible, um, but it usually just means that we're carrying far more of the burden um, and we're way more involved in the process. And thankfully, the people that are that want to work with us um, in terms of as a mentor or as a tutor, like they're the type of people who want the relational aspect. They want the engagement and involvement. And so they're they're more willing to dive in and say like, okay, because we're with you and we believe every child is successful, we want this kid to be successful, even if the parent doesn't want to be involved in the way that we wish they were. Um, so let's find a way to get to six, like a successful student. So. Yeah, that's beautiful. All right. I, I like that. I like that a lot. And, uh, you know, it's knowing, you know, grow, having my kids grow up in a family that was very involved. They also had friends and knew people that their parents were disengaged. And even whenever I was in school, I mean, I knew kids that parents, uh, it, I think this is, to me, this is one of the saddest things is whenever you have a kid that's involved in extra, extra, whatever the extracurricular activities and you've never one time seen the parent come to anything that they have. Mm -hmm. And that, mm -hmm. that's heartbreaking to me. Mm -hmm. That, that mm -hmm. is, it's hard. I mean, you can't always go to everything. I understand that. But right. whenever your, your daughter- but there's a difference. Is, yeah, we all know when mom or dad want to be there versus, you know, right. they're not there versus they don't really care or there's a- there's right. a apathy about it. Right. When my when my daughter's been in color guard for four years and your daughter's been in color guard with my daughter for four years, and I've never one time seen you at any practice. I've never seen you at any one of the things that they go to. I've never seen you at anything. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty tough. Uh, you know, and yeah. I understand there are cer certain circumstances where someone's got to work multiple jobs because of there may be a single parent or, or whatever. I understand right. that, but right. it, it doesn't make it any easier. I think for the, for the kids and uh, a lot of the circumstances when, right. when those type it, things happen. It's a difference of intention, right? I mean, yeah. yes, there are absolutely situations where parents, guardians can't be there because of exactly what you're saying. Like there's, there's certain needs that have to be met that doesn't allow their time to be spent in that way. Um, but I was having this conversation with my significant other of exactly what you're saying. Like my parents were very involved. My mom and dad were at almost every game. And when my dad was traveling, my dad traveled a lot for his job. He would show in, he'd pop in at practices, you know, just to feel like I want to, I want to be here. Like I missed this right. game. Like, let me come and see you, you know, whereas his parents really weren't involved and he could count on one hand the number of times they came to a sporting event and supported him. And, and even now as an adult, a grown adult, who's had lots of success. That is a primal feeling and memory that he has, um, you know, which is a conversation probably more for a child psychologist, but it's yeah. something, <laughs> it is something that, uh, that we definitely see it. It's something we're very aware of. And as much as we can step in as a support system for the family, um, you know, we do that. But it is, 
as a mentoring and a tutoring company and, a, and a, an instructional support company versus, like I said, a psychologist or a counseling company. That's where we kind of operate in this space of like, okay, we're not a counselor, although we have a lot of conversations that start to get into that area, sure. um, you know, and, and making sure those boundaries are there. But it is it is interesting. And there definitely is a, um, a noticeable difference, as I know you and I can spout off lots of examples of that being. Right, clear. right. Uh, okay, so you've been in this for a long time. You started Beyond Education in 2018. Things are going along swimmingly. And then all of a sudden, COVID-19, COVID <laughs> here we go. Uh, and, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about, about this beforehand, but a, a lot uh, in parallel to our business of health insurance and, and access to health care, all of a sudden, during a pandemic, people really wanted health care. Imagine that. What a strange thing, right, Laura? Well, in your case, all of a sudden, the school systems are closed down. People did not want their children to fall behind. So what did they do? They went after? Yep. A tutoring company. Yeah. Wow. Imagine that. So you, you guys grew by leaps and bounds. We did. So... We started, Beyond Education opened its doors January 1st of 2018. COVID started basically two years later, right? right. Um, when we launched, we were a tutoring company and we were starting to dabble in homeschooling. And as I was telling you before, that really was only, it was very serendipitous, but it was only because I had a very dear friend who I love and adore and would do anything for come to me and say, I need to homeschool my child. I tried for a year. It was terrible, failed miserably. <laughs> I love my child. And because I love them, I need someone else to come in and homeschool them. Um, and so approached me and said, you know, would you be willing to try this out? Like, there's no expectations. If it doesn't go well, it's okay. We've got other options, but we'd like to try it with you. And so I said, yeah, I'm, I'm a total yes girl. And so I'm like, yeah, let's try it. See what happens. What could go wrong? And, right, right. <laughs> and so um, public school kid, you know, figuring out homeschool. And I still laugh with everybody that I talk to, you know, who are um, millennials and Gen Xers and baby boomers. Like I always tell them, you know, homeschool is not what it was when we were kids. It is not the people in long denim skirts and buns walking around who are socially <laughs> awkward that I think of. Um, homeschool, the the... The homeschool definition now is anybody and everybody from every walk of life. Um, and I would say even more so you're seeing students who you would expect to be, you know, your private school kid or your, you know, nice public school kid going to homeschool, right? Because of everything we already talked about at the beginning of, you know, distrust of quality, um, frustration over how the, the school system is run, all that stuff. Um, but anyway, so... 2018, we're a tutoring company, kind of dabbling in this homeschool. COVID happens. And um, one, first off, I want to commend my admin team. So we are a, um, a woman-owned and a woman-ran business. And I have this awesome group of women. Um, it's now we're a total of, of five one, two, three, I'm sorry, four. We're a total of four. Um, and at the time, I think we had, there were three of us. We hadn't hired on our, our newest person. And I mean, the amount of flexibility and, uh, and ability to pivot when all that happened. I mean, I remember when schools were starting to shut down and they were like, we're going to extend spring break. 
And we yeah. powwowed. We made a coffee shop our war room. And we we're like, all right, what are we going to do? Like, do we need to offer extra classes? Like, how do we help our families? How do we help parents? You know, let's kind of figure this out. And oh my gosh, I mean, they were on it and we were there to support and and figure it out um, in the thick of things. So that was amazing to see and super proud moment as a business owner. But secondly, just as a, as a business, it was so interesting because like I told you, I realized we were one of the only for-profit homeschool companies. By then we had had two years in, in San Antonio. And we all of a sudden got catapulted to being able to speak on, okay, how do you homeschool? How do you micro school? What's a pod? What's legal? How do I pick a curriculum? And all these conversations, which I had already had, you know, working with the family and bringing on more families and developing business there. And so to be able to launch and say like, yeah, okay, we know how to do this. Let me talk you through what's legal in Texas. By the way, you're in a state that has very loose uh, legal laws about homeschooling. So that's great. So it makes it very easy to, to figure this path out. Um, you know, I talked with, had webinars with experts to help families just figure out like, what do I do? Um, our company grew at a pace where I kid you not, I, we had a conversation with my admin team again, basically a year and a half later saying, if we keep going the way we're going, we're going to burn out because we're growing so fast. We're, we're struggling to keep up, um, which is an amazing thing for a company to be able to say, but in the thick of it, as you probably know, like it is so overwhelming yeah. and I was very thankful for <laughs> the time when it came, when we like, Finally, I say we got back to regular growth, not COVID growth. Um, <laughs> but but it was it was amazing. Um, it also was a uh, a speed course in HR. Um, we're a small business. I don't have an HR department. And uh, let me tell you, I had my friend who is an HR expert on speed dial trying to figure out every little situation we were dealing with, with, you know, instructors who, you know, do they go in person? Do they not go in person? What do we do as far as like a primary exposure, secondary exposure, tertiary exposure? What if it's like the fifth person that they saw three weeks ago that just tested positive? Like, how do we deal with that? <laughs> You know, so, I mean, we dealt oh, with everything we had, which was great. I mean, and anybody who is wanting to get into small business or owns a business or whatnot, like you got to welcome those experiences. Like, okay, bring it on. Let's learn. You know, I didn't know this before, but I'm willing to know it now. Um, and so it was, it was all of that and, and more, but, um, as far as where we're at now, I mean, it was definitely a huge growing point. And um, I'm very thankful that there were families who trusted us to walk with them through that, through that time, because it was nerve wracking. And, um, and, you know, we got, we got to the other side of it in a lot of ways. We're, as you know, we're still getting through it in a lot of ways. Um, but very interesting for sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk about how we're getting through it still to this day. And the fact that I don't believe that there's been a decrease in homeschooling. I, it's continued to grow, not just yeah. because of COVID, but others, some of the things we talked about, but even more so, and, and it's not yeah. just, of course, here in Texas, it's across the country. We're yeah. seeing a huge growth towards homeschooling. And if I'm not mistaken, you've been able to speak to that, not just in Texas again, but in other areas to help lead folks kind of down that pathway, right? 
Yep, for sure. And sorry, I was trying to I was trying to change a setting on my phone. Hopefully I didn't screw this up, but now there you go. Oh, no, okay. you're good. Okay. Um, so where we have been able to speak to families in homeschool, yes. So um where it is now, so like I was saying, it is not what maybe you or I and and I apologize if that right. offended anybody. That was not the intention, but that, hey, uh, I know what you but I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. That's kind of the old thing of you know right. very um, very very like you know it was it, it didn't have a good rap um it, it and now I yeah and I tell people now like if and when I have kids I'm gonna explore homeschooling as my first option like I have seen the benefit of it and if you have the ability to do it and you know I'm for it I think it's amazing um it's an incredible opportunity to grow as a family and and whatnot and and to be able to let your child explore their interests um, so, so what it looks like today, it can take a lot of different forms. So if you were a family in San Antonio who came to me and said, Hey, Laura, we're thinking about homeschooling. Where do we go from here? So first conversation is, do you as the parent want to be involved as the teacher at all? Right. Do you want to take on one subject, all subjects? What does that look like? Um, secondly is curriculum. And I would say the curriculum besides the fear of, Am I doing this right from a legal standpoint? Which, by the way, in Texas, that's that bar is so low. Like, don't, I always tell people, I'm like, don't even worry <laughs> about it in terms of what you have to document. Now, there's other states, like I believe it's Kentucky or Kansas, where their homeschool rules are so specific that you have to be homeschooling from a certain hour to a certain hour in the state of whichever state it was. Kentucky or Kansas is one of the K states. And if they find out that, um, that you're not, they can come and shut you down and put your kid in public school. Texas wow. is not like that. Um, and there's quite a few states that are not like that. Um, and so so the second part is figuring out curriculum, which I would say is probably the most daunting for most families because there are a variety of curriculums out there, right? Um, so figuring out, do you want to be faith-based? Do you want to be agnostic? Do you want it to be um, like a, a book based? Do you want it to be online? I mean, there are a variety and that's another benefit that nobody anticipated from COVID. The number of companies that grew their homeschool uh, portfolio and their presence has been incredible, right? So it's easier than ever to homeschool um, depending on how you set it up because there's way more content available and there's way more more ways to do it and to make it your own and to to make the best fit for your student as far as the legality so like i said texas is pretty straightforward in that you got to have some documentation that shows um proof of you're schooling them you're educating them and and they do have some verbiage as far as subjects that you have to prove that you're teaching your students but honestly if you're buying curriculum through a program, you're good there, right? Um, but it is, you know, honestly, Harlan, what is the most interesting conversation? And this was for me too. There is a deconstruction for those of us who have gone, have been raised in a traditional schooling setting, school setting, of breaking the like, well, I have to be in school from eight to four. Like I have to have my butt in a seat from eight to four. That's what school is. I'm like, no, 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 no. You could homeschool for an hour, maybe two, so, and you're done. 
Which, by the way, leads to another potential thing to think through as a parent of like, well, what do I do if my child's only in school for two hours? Can I entertain them for six more? Which is a conversation I have with parents of like, I just want you to know you got to be thinking through this because we're not going to be, I mean, we can babysit it, but that is a very expensive price for us to babysit your child. Um, so so yeah. this is something you need to think through. Um, which, by the way, if you want to get into the history of public education and industrial revolution and whatnot, that is a very interesting conversation. And there's lots of interesting books on that. In, it really um, is. Yes. Of why we why, have, of why our school system is set up the way it is. Yeah. 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 I, I read an, an entrepreneurial <laughs> book on that that like brought it to my attention and my brain kind of broke in the sense of like, oh, my gosh okay, this is very interesting. So, um, so yeah, so homeschool can really look, look a lot of different ways. And, um, it is a big, it can feel like a big undertaking at first, but, um, I always tell parents, like, if you just stick with it, I promise one, you are going to bully yourself more than anybody else. Um, and so you got to get rid of those negative voices that are saying, well, it has to look this way and it has to be this way. And my student needs to read a hundred novels in one year if they're going to homeschool. And um, you got to let go of that. It's kind of getting back to our conversation about defining what success is, right? Yeah. You have to have a conversation right. with with your family about, well, what is success if we decide to get into homeschool? Um, so. so let's talk a little bit more about the flexibility and the I guess the help that's there as well, because my understanding, you'll have, obviously have a lot better understanding of this than me, is that there's almost like co-ops and Facebook groups and all oh, yeah. of these things, all kind of support where people can help each other. Like maybe I'm really good in English, but I'm terrible at math and I need, I need a mom somewhere or a dad somewhere to help me out with that side of it. And yeah. that there's, there's so many ways it can be designed now where you can help right. each other. And I think you mentioned earlier, there's pods, there's just different ways that we, yeah. once again, away from that crazy old, you know, traditional, whatever that really means yeah. of homeschooling that we kind of thought we knew when we were kids. Right. It's, it's just such a different way. I, I, I really agree with what you said earlier. It's almost more like a private school type setting now where you've got, small classes you know my my kids were more or less raised in public school as well there was a, a short time when my son went to uh, a, a couple of faith-based schools uh for just a two-year period of time because of where we were in our life and where we you know unfortunately well uh, just be honest where we lived we didn't want him to go to that school okay there yeah. you go yeah and, and one of the things that was just outstanding in that case was one of the schools he went to, there was eight kids in his class. There was yep. eight kids in his first grade class. Yeah. He jumped leaps and bounds. I mean, he, yep. he went from, you know, barely making it through kindergarten to he was second grade level after first grade. He was, yeah. he was or third grade level after first grade yeah. because of how much attention you got in a class with only eight students. Yeah. Imagine what that's like in a one-on-one -on -one setting. <laughs> Imagine what that's like in a homeschool setting <laughs> with someone that cares. And, yeah. and that one that care doesn't have to be the parent. Now, let, you know, let's right. get back to what you said. Someone who cares though, that's, that's truly invested in that child's education. Yeah. And is going to teach that child at the, the level and in the manner 
that they learn the best. Yeah. Yep. And if you learn about dinosaurs the best by us going to the Museum of Natural History and letting you see the dinosaurs in in the you know the More real you, the yeah. real dinosaurs there, right? What a beautiful thing! Instead of having right. to see it in a book and read these things, and it just doesn't stick with you, you you can't get the scale that you can when you walk into the Wit Museum. I'm sure you've been there. You walk oh, into yeah. the Wit Museum. And there's a dadgum dinosaur right there. You're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. How amazing is this? Yeah. Which I want to make sure you're not outed by any San Antonio locals and, and natives. It's the witty. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble then. Because you my daughter called Houston, Houston lingo all the time. There you go. My my daughter called it that, so I just took her word for it. But okay, it's the witty. Now, now That's I feel right. witty. That's, How about that? Hey, I you know what? And I've been there. So it's I I love watching uh uh on social media every so often when it'll say like the funny Texan things, like it's not Blanco, it's Blanco, it's not you know, all the little like Bernie, like how guess how you say Bernie? Yes. Um, burn it. It's it's yeah. burn it, darn it. It's not or, burn or Buda or Buda. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 But sweet but Texans. <laughs> come to me when you can when you can actually spell Kirkendall. <laughs> I I am not even familiar with that one. I'm not gonna try. <laughs> That's I'm in being, Houston. I'm you, you, to be tutored on that one. Yeah, you pretty much would need to be a native Houstonian to be able to spell Kirkendall because I promise. There's zero chance that you'll get it right. No there no is no way. Nope. There's there's letters in there that we have no reason why they're even in there. So, you know, it's too <laughs> funny. Um, to, yeah, to get to get back to your question on homeschool and what it can look like. And I'm glad that you brought it back to that because I, I forgot to mention it and originally responding. Um it can. It can look so many different ways. So there are fantastic co-ops. And basically what a co-op, a co-op can look a lot of different ways, right? It can look like a couple families who come together and say, hey, we don't want to do this alone. We want to bring our families together. And, you know, you do, you are strong in English. So mom or dad, you do English on Tuesdays. And, you know, mom and dad that's strong in science, you do that with the students on that day. Um, there's more established co-ops here in San Antonio and in most major cities where they're run almost like a private school, right? And um, and just so 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 Texans, so that they know what's the difference between homeschool and private school, because it's a very gray area. Basically, where it comes down to homeschool is that the parents make the final decision on grades and saying okay. this is what the grades. So the parent is in charge and have the final say at the end. Um, that's different than a private school or a public school or a charter school, right? Where you get a transcript and you get a grade report. Um, so that being said, there are very well-established co-ops where you can, and I've, we've had students who, who go to these co-ops and then also work with us, um, where you can go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and go to a different class every day. And that's where you're getting your schooling, right? And you have a, it's, it's like you're, classroom setting you go in you've got usually it's small like you said eight students or maybe less maybe a few more depending on the class and you have a teacher teaching you and they send you home with assignments and you take tests and everything like that so um it can really look a lot of different ways there's a lot of freedom in how to do it and then on the other side of that 
um, as a college advisor, I've worked with homeschool students and getting them into college. So that's the other question that a lot of parents have is like, yes, well, my kids can't go to college if they homeschool. That's a big fat lie as well. Um, I've had students go to tier one schools, UT, Purdue, um, a variety of schools where big names um, who actually those schools love homeschoolers and it doesn't take much effort to put together an application. It doesn't take any more effort to put together an application than it does if you went to your neighborhood high school. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And it definitely does not limit you in any way, shape or form to do homeschool. Um, there's a lot of resources, like you said, you can crowdsource a lot of information through Facebook and some of these other online uh, platforms to understand what do I need to do? There are so many. I mean, I, I'm even in our local San Antonio homeschool group. And a lot of times I'll go in there and say, Hey, you know, can somebody recommend a curriculum for this? Or, you know, we've got a family okay. who's considering A, B, and C curriculums. What's anybody's uh, input on this? Or yeah. does anybody yeah. know a co-op outside of the city that might have openings and availability? So those types of things are very readily available. Yeah, that's that's beautiful because yeah. I think that we remember this old homeschool idea. Yep. Because that's that's all there was, right? The parent was kind of on their own. Yep. And obviously that's one of the things that the uh, the internet and social media have brought to us is they brought us more options uh where people could connect and help in a much better way. So that's obviously a a, a big big uh, plus for people that are going down that pathway. And uh, we're, we're almost out of time, but I want to ask you one more question. Professional opinion. Oh, gosh. Okay. Public school or homeschool? Oh, so my answer is always it depends on the kid. Okay. That's a beautiful question. A beautiful it answer. It depends I think. on beautiful. the kid. Yeah, I agree. And I there are that. families. And now here's a trend that um, some people may be aware of. We're seeing more and more where you have, you know, a three, four, five child family where a, each child is going to a different school. One is going to the public school. One's going to a charter school. One's being homeschooled. If if the family has the ability to do that, right, yeah, to be okay. able to juggle, okay. pick wow. up and whatnot. Um, but yes, it's it's way more individualized than it ever was before where it was just like, you know, Jane and Johnny, you know, walk down the street and go to go to the yeah. neighborhood school. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it depends on the child. There are some children who need the social interaction like your daughter. Right. She wanted to go to color guard and public school or the neighborhood school was the best option for that. And they, that's where they're going to thrive. There are some students where they're going to thrive best in a homeschool situation where they can run with their passions and take it as far and fast as they want to go and as slow and paced, you know, as they need to in their other subjects. So yeah. I think it always depends on the child and, uh, and that's where you've got to start and then go from there. That's beautiful. Now I, I agree with that. I, I love that answer. That, that is, mm -hmm. that is great. All right. So folks, if you want to go and learn more about Laura, learn more about what she's doing at Beyond Education, you can go out to beyondedu.co mm -hmm. and learn all about it. She also, you have an Instagram out there. I guess folks can follow y'all on Instagram as well, yeah. correct? Yes. Okay, good deal. Any closing thoughts, Laura? Oh, man. 
you know, I'm just going to take it back to what we've kind of been circling around the whole conversation, which is whether you're a child or an adult or in between or far beyond, you know, figuring out what having conversations about what you define as success, whether it's for yourself or whether you're starting a conversation that makes the people around you start thinking about it. I think that's going to be so valuable and important as our society and and our community continues to move forward because like we said there's so many external inputs there of people and things trying to tell you how to define it that it's something we've all got to own um, individually and as a family and I think when we start to do that and start to say it out loud some things are going to shift in terms of how we move forward. There's going to be a lot of clarity, which I think we all will take as much clarity as we can get. In Absolutely. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that would be my, my closing thought. All right. Well, thank you so very much for taking time out of your day to be with us and sharing uh, your great journey and your incredible mission to help, uh, help folks go truly beyond education. And don't forget folks, you can find, Laura and her team out at beyondedu.co. Go and check her out. Be sure to uh, follow her there on Instagram as well. I'm sure she's got some great stories to tell and share stuff out there with you as well. Thank you again, Laura. We certainly appreciate you being with us. All right, folks, don't forget to uh, go out to hwpowerhour.com and subscribe to the podcast I certainly appreciate everyone taking time out of your day to listen. And if you ever have a certain subject you would like us to cover, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn in particular. I'd love to connect with you there. Reach out, connect. Let me know what subject you'd like us to uh, cover. Or if you have someone you think that would be a great guest, love to hear about that as well. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode and we'll catch you next time on Health and Wealth Power Hour. We are 